Hey, it's Pastor Mike. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and make it a regular part of your day, can I ask for your regular support? We really can't make any of our sermon series or devotions without the continual support of friends like you. Time of Grace, in case you didn't know, is 100% donor-funded, meaning it is your gifts that make it possible for us to use television and print and digital media to share the good news of God's amazing grace. Just click on the link in the episode notes, and thank you for all of your prayers and all of your support. God bless. Hey, it's me, Pastor Mike. This month's TV series is called Choose Gratitude Over Grumbling. It's a great reminder that we always have a reason to be grateful because of the grace and the love that God has shown us in his son. Now, this is a series that has previously aired, which is why we don't have the normal video interview that I do with Amber L.B. Swenson. But I think you're going to find that this is a timeless message. I mean, all of us need that nudge from God to count our blessings and realize just how much we have through his son, Jesus Christ. Also this month, we'd love to share with you our brand new 365-day devotional. It's called Closer to God Each Day. This year-long devotional is going to help you every day of the year to realize what's yours through Jesus, all of his grace, all of his love, and all of his forgiveness. Closer to God Each Day is yours with your financial gift to Time of Grace. Now, please enjoy this episode. We are blessed to have back on the podcast Amber. And Amber, I actually wrote this down. I need to ask you a question as I introduced you. I, yeah. I'm not sure if I pronounced your name correctly. Is it Albi or Albi? Albi, like the two letters. Alb, wait, Albi? Albi, just like the letter L and the letter B. LB. Um, so not Al and not all, just LB. No, that We're was gonna... the that was the middle school middle school joke. You know, everybody would pronounce my name wrong and then say, Amber, I'll be yours. <laughs> So. We're gonna, just so everyone knows, we're going to take about half of our podcast time to figure out what <laughs> what Amber's middle middle school experiences were like. <laughs> right. That would take that would take several podcasts, not, <laughs> not half of this one. That would take several. So Amber L.B. Swenson is with us. Uh, great to have you back, Amber. Thanks for taking time to be with us today. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So we're tackling a big message series coming up on Time of Grace. It's called Choose Gratitude Over Grumbling. And I know that you and I don't have problems with gratitude, but there might be six out of 10 listeners out there who struggle. So <laughs> thanks, no, thanks for talking with me, with us about something that I, I think every Christian needs, uh, just keeping their eyes fixed on God and avoiding the constant temptation to grumble. So yeah, true confession, think? Mike, uh, yes. our producer asked if I could do this. And I said, yeah, of course, I'd love to. And she didn't tell me what the topic was. And so I had this major meltdown with my husband about all the things that were wrong. And I woke up the next morning to uh, (laughs) the sermon series. And I knew that God was maybe tapping me on the shoulder and saying, you need this. He was not maybe (laughs) tapping you on the shoulder. (laughs) That wasn't a tap on the shoulder. That's like a full out Bible slap across the face. (laughs) Totally agree. Yeah. So let's jump in. Where do you want to start? So this sermon series is called Choosing Gratitude Over Grumbling. And the first sermon in the series is Because of Eternal Joy. And you remind us that we're always going to have something to grumble about. But if we look for it, we're always going to find something to be thankful for, too. And it seems to me we could spare ourselves a lot of grief if we sort of separated things into the categories of short-term or long-term, meaning does this thing that's bothering me so much right now that is causing me to grumble, 
does it have an eternal consequence? If not, maybe it's not all that important. But if it does, on the other hand, maybe it deserves my time, my energy, some of my, you know, uh, working through to figure it out. Hmm. We, leave, we, we so often lose sight of this, don't we? Mm. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's even, you know, phrases for this turning, you know, mountains and molehills. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about little things seeming like they're a huge deal in middle school. This is the case, right? Like, Oh, you come home you're just all wrapped up and your parents are like, come on. let me tell you about real problems yeah have you heard the old story um i don't know if this is like apocryphal or actually happened but someone snuck into a department store and while it was closed they changed a bunch of the price tags so when the store opened the really really cheap things were really really expensive and the really really expensive things were really really cheap and i was kind of thinking that with your question like so much of Satan's work, I think, is to kind of sneak around and make really important things like faith, humility, evangelism, you know, so small, we don't get to them. And these really, really small things like updating our social media or making sure the makeup looks just right, or am I having a good hair day? Or, you know, what kind of car do I drive? Is it washed and waxed? Like it's so small in the kingdom of God, but it seems like I have to, and, and I need to. So, so much of sin is just that swap making small things in the eyes of God seem big. Totally agree. And, you know, I was thinking as I listened to the sermon, actually, I thought about this sermon for a full two days, which I don't know if that means anything to you, but it does to me because typically (laughs) on Sunday nights, a lot of time we will ask our children, you know, what is one takeaway that you took away from the sermon today? And a lot of times they're like, now, wait a second. What was the sermon about? (laughs) What, what was, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. So to think about a sermon for two days is kind of a big deal to me. Mm. But one of the things I was thinking is if I'm going to apply this, I really need people reminding me of this. This is something that, you know, it, like you said, Satan is so good at what he does. What reminders do you have, or do you use that help you keep a forever perspective? Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm really good at this yet, but (laughs) something on occasion that kind of helps snap my senses back to a God perspective is this word hevel, H-E-V-E-L. So Hevel is the Hebrew word that fills the book of Ecclesiastes. And in Hebrew, it literally means a vapor or a mist. Mm. And it's just like something that's here. You know, there's that puff of smoke out the, the exhaust pipe in your car. And then a second later, it's gone. And King Solomon in Ecclesiastes just says, listen, I tried everything. And all of it was Hevel. All of it was temporary. You know, the partying is temporary. The Nonprofit projects are temporary, like everything under the sun except God is temporary. And I, I think if I do that, just saying, oh yeah, everything is heaven, everything is, everything is temporary, two things happen. Number one, I'm not shocked when something good goes away. And number two, I'm really grateful if something good is still here. You know, it, my car breaks, for example. I'm not going to be like, what? I thought this car was the eternal God. I thought it was going to last forever and ever and ever. Like, no, it's a car. It's something under the sun. Of course it was going to break sometime, you know? So I'm ready for that moment spiritually and emotionally. And if the car starts and the air conditioning actually works and I make it from here to there, like, wow, that wasn't guaranteed. 
and suddenly I'm grateful and I'm not grumbling because I have the right perspective of earthly things. Yeah. And I think what I realized when I was thinking about this and how can I apply this? I, I realized that a lot of this boils down to my perspective of God. Hmm. As long as I look at God as my genie in the bottle, if I pray for it, then certainly he's going to give it to me. Then I'm almost always disappointed, right? Because hmm. when he doesn't give me the weather I want, or I don't have the perfect day that I want, then I'm going to be disappointed. But when hmm. I keep my proper perspective of God, he doesn't owe me anything. I mean, mm. he's gracious and loving and merciful, but he doesn't owe me anything. Then it, it kind of helps me to get out of that grumble cycle. Mm. So how is it that we can keep our perspective of God in the right place? Yeah. Wow. Um, this morning I was just thinking about the book of Job and how, you know, God, basically at the end of the book, if you've read it, he just, it, he intellectually eviscerates Job. I think I counted, he asked Job 77 straight questions to which Job has to shrug and say, I got no clue. Like, I thought I was so smart to judge God and I have no clue. And it almost seems like God is, he's bullying Job a bit, like showing him how dumb he is. But then I realized like, no, God needs us to realize how small we are. Otherwise we are in great, great spiritual danger. You know, in Job's case, Satan was trying to get Job to curse God. And once Job assumed, oh, I have all the knowledge in the world, he felt qualified to do it. So, you know, this, I, it, I'm kind of worried a little bit in, in our Pinterest world of like self-affirmation. Like I'm, I'm smart and I'm brave and I'm courageous and I deserve it and I'm worthy. And I'm not totally against that because I think there's a place for that, given what God says about us and his word. But we just have to be really careful not to think too much of ourselves but instead to keep like the focus on the bigness of God, like, wow, I'm just this dinky little one in 7 billion human. And God is right in the room with me. Oh, like now, even if all the heavy temporary things are taken away, I'm just so grateful for God's presence. Who, who, who am I that he would want to be anywhere close, but he is, and I'm not worthy and I don't deserve it. And I'm not all that impressive, <laughs> you know, and little things become big things in my mind and I forget the value of things. So yeah, just keeping an honest perspective on how small we are compared to God and how great he is compared to us. And the fact that he's constantly with us, like the, it's just a really foundational bedrock truth to keep me grateful instead of grumbling. And in one of your sermons, I don't remember which one it was. You mentioned that, you know, you might be praying for your perfect weather day off, right? You know, on your day off, you want it to be 77 degrees and whatever, mm -hmm. but there's a farmer mm. just a little ways away that's praying for rain, you know? So God in his wisdom, he answers according to what is best, not, mm. oh, Mike, you asked for this. So you get this, yes. you know? And, and I think if we could ever realize that there are all kinds of prayers that God is listening to, not just ours, yes. it helps us realize that he's answering them in the best way possible for the most people. Yeah, well said. So the second sermon was called Choose Gratitude Over Grumbling because of 14 spiritual gifts you already have. Uh, this was just an incredibly enlightening experience to just be reminded of what all God in his love and mercy gives us just freely, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't make us mm -hmm. work for it. Doesn't say, Oh, you have been grumbling. You don't get, you know, nine out of 14 of these, or <laughs> he just, he just gives them to us. And it was, it was a very, very good reminder. Hmm. Um, 
which of those 14 really hit you and meant something to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a special sermon. And when I preached it here at our church in Appleton, it did something really special. Like we had families going out to those, you know, artistic, like wood artsy spots where you paint on them, like putting these 14 spiritual gifts on things for their children's bedrooms and for their living rooms. I know God's word always works, but this was just one of those messages where you just saw an immediate impact in people's hearts. And it all comes from, I think it's Ephesians 1. It's this uber long sentence in the original Greek of the New Testament where Paul, he starts, he starts out praising God. He's grateful. And it's almost like, it's almost like he can't stop. You know, it's like this run on sentence of like, oh, and because of Jesus, I'm chosen and I'm loved and I'm redeemed and I'm forgiven and I'm God's possession and I'm marked and I'm predestined and I'm, it just goes on and on and on and on until finally, I wonder if he just runs out of ink and decides to, <laughs> to land the plane instead of making it even more. So yeah, oh man, out of the list of 14, which is my favorite, um, I, I think I settled on the word chosen. One of my bigger spiritual struggles is just like being impressive enough, I think that people would choose me you know, choose to listen, choose to subscribe, choose to like it, choose to buy a book. And even though God has been, you know, so gracious and generous with me, it's like that, that spot in my heart is never quite filled up, no matter how many people click the like button. So the fact that because of Jesus, I'm chosen, you know, not by just a listener on a podcast, or someone scrolling through YouTube, but God, you know, God himself who needs nothing, it wasn't like he was having a rough day and said, and then I came across one of your videos, Mike, and just thank you. <laughs> right? he's, he's God, he's completely self-sufficient. The fact that he would choose me means he didn't need me. He just wanted me. Yeah. And, and just that blessing for a guy who's like clawing and scratching in so many areas of life to like be impressive and chosen. That's just a, that's just a beautiful word for my personal heart. The way you ended the 14 with um, God's possession with the bride and the groom was mm. pretty significant. And I think people, that's a, that's an image that will stick with a lot of people. And it, it so many of these all tie together, you mm. know, being chosen with God's possession, when you, when you hear them all together and when you see the images or think about the images, it just sort of ties it all together. It makes it, it ex, extremely poignant, that whole concept of being chosen and being God's possession. Just, yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you the same question out of the 14? Was there one that kind of grabbed your heart? God's possession. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So I have worked with older people for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, so because of that, you probably don't know this about me, but I used to be somebody who cried at the drop of the hat. So my father-in-law dropped over dead in December of 2005. I was very close to him. And I had a really hard time getting through church services for a really long time. I cried all the time, cried at movies, cried at commercials, whatever. And so when God called me to this job of working with the elderly, you know, we had the Moses moment where I'm like, God, I am the last person in the world, honestly, the last who can work with elderly because they die. Like you work with them and you put all this time and energy into them and then they die. And that's part of your job is to be with them when they die, like usher them into heaven. And God gave me this incredible strength that I didn't have on my own so that I could sit with them and sing with them and testify to them. And I know it's not biblical, 
But I told my first client, who was a retired pastor, um, he was getting close to the end. And I told him, you know, when the, when the big billboard in heaven says incoming Amber L.B. Swenson today, make sure you're there to meet me, you know, and uh, we talked a lot just because he was a pastor and, and we just talked a lot about this homecoming and just how, you know, I was going to be super sad to see him go, but how precious in his sight is the death of the saints, how God mm. was waiting for him, like mm. with open arms and that whole um, image you said with the bride and the groom, I look at it as God in heaven waiting for us to take back his possession. Like we're on mm. loan right now to earth, but he's mm. just up in heaven. Like, man, this much time until you're mine with mm. me all the time for eternity. Boom. So that's, that was a sort of special one for me. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So there were two of those 14 that I thought, you know, we don't really talk about this very much. And they were being marked and being filled. I think both are super important. Um, can you explain the significance of those? When I read the book of Revelation, it's like this. You know, the beast has marked you, almost claimed you as his own possession. You belong to the ways of sin and death and the world. And then there's this other imagery. So I don't think it has to do with some super fancy technology or a, a chip that's going to go beneath our skin or a tattoo we're going to have or a shot someone puts in our arm. I think it's a spiritual image that when something is marked, it belongs to someone. Mm -hmm. So when my girls, you know, hang up their backpack and the long line of backpacks in the hallway, when their name is on it, it's marked. Like we know whose this is. So I interpret that as like the mark of the beast is, oh yeah, th this is a person who has sold his soul to something temporary. And therefore those who are marked by the Holy spirit, like their hearts are filled, their bodies are temple. Like th there's nothing on my forehead, but I belong to Jesus. I'm, I'm his possession. And just like my daughters care about where their possession is and how their possession is treated. That's the way that Jesus cares about his church and his people. Let's let the whole biblical story tell us this is about being possessed by someone, either an evil spirit or the Holy Spirit who fixes our eyes on Jesus and reminds us that all 14 of these blessings are ours through faith in Christ. And then the filled part is the Holy Spirit filling you. And does that happen as you are marked or is this a continual process or? <laughs> Ooh, there's a, there's a curveball coming from, coming from Amber. Um, both and. I think it's similar to, there's a lot of, all, some people call this the already and not yet of theology. Like, am I saved as a Christian already? Yes. But the Bible also talks about God will save us, you know, from this world of brokenness and sin. So already and not yet, both are true. So am I filled up with the Holy Spirit? Do I have all of him uh, already? Yes. But, <laughs> you know, I'm on this the struggle against sin journey where I'm, you know, being filled more and more by his love and his knowledge. I'm growing in grace, even though I already have it. So yeah, it's a beautiful, there's two ways to look at it. One kind of pushes us to strive for holiness. And the other one just helps us to rest in the gospel to know we already have everything because of Jesus. Yeah. Good, good, good. The third sermon was called choose gratitude over grumbling, even when you're hurting. And I appreciated that you talked about the whole concept of this sermon is that pain is gain. But what I appreciated is that you mentioned and, and made a, a point 
to say, you know, there's a significant difference between having the pain that we have because we choose to go to the gym and put ourselves and our bodies through pain and the kind of pain that we have because of relational hurt or accidents or, or something else. But the concept is sort of the same because God doesn't want us to stay where we are spiritually. He wants us to grow. And a lot of times that's going to mean us going through trials and struggles and, and things that will cause us to trust him and to grow our faith. But by nature, those things aren't fun. We want to take the easy road, but that's not usually how it works. So how do we keep the, Hey, guess what? Right now I'm growing mindset when we're in a struggle or we're going through an episode of pain. Mm, yeah. Um, last Sunday at our church was like, I don't know, for me, for a lot of us, it was like one of those moments that doesn't happen often. So this was week one of a series we we're actually doing on Job. And it, it really hit me what a beautiful thing it is. Not necessarily that, you know, you go through some pain and then six months later or a year later, oh, look how much stronger my faith is like this big gain out of it. It struck me that every time life is hard and we go to church still, like angels are dancing and the devil is sulking because the devil wants us to turn on God in the midst of our pain. You know, so just, just like God was in heaven and Job one saying, Hey, Satan, have you seen my servant Job? Like he's, he's like boasting about his kid. I, I tried to like reenact that saying, Hey, have you seen my, my servant? So-and-so Satan, you know, she has cancer, but look where she is right now. Mm -hmm. Did you hear her singing that last song? Did, did you see my son? His wife just left him. He's so confused, but where did he go? He went to my house with my people to listen to my word. I don't know why I had never thought of that before. Like the more broken people shuffle and limp into a church, mm -hmm. the more like God is glorified because it proves we're not using him. The, the church isn't just some means to an end of an easier, healthier, wealthier life. It's like, no, whenever we do these things for God and still trust in him, that's the great gain for his glory and the sacredness of his name. That's, that's neat. Do you know who Jeremy Camp is? The singer? I do. Jeremy Camp. Um, so his first wife died and I, I, for years, I used one of his videos and, uh, some speaking that I did because he really learned to worship when his wife died at the mm. foot of her bed, when she had just taken her last breath, he started worshiping and mm. he learned that if he could worship through the worst pain he'd ever had in his life, he could worship through anything. Wow. And, and look at how the Lord has used him in this magnificent, tremendous way, because in part, he was willing to show God, I, I, I will worship you at my worst. Yeah. Wow. Which he gives is, and he takes away. May yeah. his name be praised. So I was reading Psalm 27 this week, and it, it's just this amazing Psalm where God, uh, you know, David is trusting in God, even though he's facing his enemies and people have forsaken him and he's just steadfast in the Lord. And it occurred to me as I was reading this, how maybe David needed opposition to stay close to God, because when he was loafing on the roof and, you know, wasn't really taking his job as King seriously, he sort of was led astray. So could it be that for a good number of us, maybe all of us, <laughs> we need that opposition in our life in order to stay close to God? Oh, I so wish you were dumb. 
<laughs> I think that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I wish you were so, so off about that because I just want to be like, no, God, just give me that. No. Keep it 75 and sunny and I will make sure to remember you. I won't, I won't go chasing around, <laughs> skipping around on this nice day. Yeah, I actually have my Bible open to Hosea 13. Um, God says in verse... Six, he's talking about the children of Israel. He says, when I fed them, they were satisfied. Yes. When they were satisfied, comma, they became proud. Then they forgot me. It's like, God, help us. He says, okay, I'll satisfy you. Oh, whew, sweet. T totally forget about God. So yeah, that is pretty shocking how tempted I am by self-sufficiency and just instant forgetfulness of the one from whom all blessings flow. So in love, does, does God force me to limp just a little bit? Um, you think of Paul's thorn in his flesh in second Corinthians, like whew, he's desperate for God and he learns about the sufficiency of grace only because of it. And God doesn't take it out and say, all right, you learned like, nope, yeah. you're going to live with this because I love you and I don't want you to forget me. So I think we, we love to overestimate the strength of our own faith but God's a good father and he knows we all need a certain level of discomfort to stay dependent on him. Hmm. Did you know in other countries, they tend to pray for the strength to get through a situation. And in America, we tend to pray for God to take our troubles away. Well, those people need to learn from us Americans. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting perspective though. Cause when I heard that, I thought that's me hmm. when something is happening, I'm like, okay, God, just take it away make it go away you know, instead of going, what can I learn from this? And Lord, mm -hmm. make me a quick learner and help me to get where I need to be or mm -hmm. do what you want me to do. But, you know, instead I tend to focus on the problem and wanting it gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. It's, it's just a shuffling of priorities. I, I don't think that's a bad desire because in heaven, those problems will not exist. But if that's the only prayer or the primary prayer, instead of, mm -hmm. Well, let's think of the Lord's prayer, right? It doesn't, it doesn't start with dad, give me bread. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some stuff in there that, that Jesus put first, like, okay, God, like, as long as your name is hallowed, your kingdom comes, your will is done like that. That's where I want to start with you. And if you can accomplish all that through an easy, comfortable life, through curing the cancer and fixing my family and making everything work out. And if I won't forget you, please. <laughs> Yeah. But if this is going to mean I'm going to forget you or fewer people will believe that Jesus is king or hallow your name, then don't like, let, let it be hard for the sake of something bigger and better. Ooh, I think I have some growth. Uh, I, I could use some serious growth in my prayer life hmm. to get to that point. And, and, you know, the fact that that's the only petition that's asking for something physical and everything hmm. else is something spiritual, you yep. know, just the reminder of how much of my prayer life should be about the spiritual. Mm -hmm. Actually, have I told you this? I, I've been leading small group Bible studies, life groups, that kind of thing for about 10 years. And I actually have a rule in my group. I'm kind of the, the mean group leader where I don't, I don't say it's bad to pray for physical things, but at group, I will only accept prayer requests for spiritual things. That's awesome. Yeah. And my, my hope is I'm just trying to train people because it's so instinctive, right? If you have a, <laughs> a headache or if I have cancer, like I'm, that's going to be easy to remember. I'm trying to get people to think like, okay, spiritual first, then physical, spiritual, then physical. So just week after week, 
like, uh, uh, sure, I'll pray for your grandma's cancer, but you got to give me at least like three spiritual things for your soul because <laughs> that matters eternally and not temporarily. Oh, I teach seventh and eighth grade Sunday school. And last week I was doing the prayer requests. Every week we do them, put them on the board, pray for them. And one of the girls raised her hand and said, can you pray I win my basketball game today? <laughs> so I put basketball down and I'm not sure she was super thrilled with the prayer I said, but I asked that she would be a good sportsmanship and glorify God in the way she played and she would keep it in proper perspective. And so. I love that. I love it. Okay, the fourth sermon was titled Choose Gratitude Over Grumbling, Even If You're Living in Pain. And you gave what I think is a brilliant idea of going through the ABCs and thanking God for something with each letter. And you passed by that super quickly. Like, I don't know if you meant for us to linger there, but that's where my brain went, where I was like, wait, stop the tape. The, the, so serious question, because I've been doing this three days in a row now. I, I watched it on Sunday. I've been doing it three, three days in a row. So which letters of the alphabet do you struggle to find something for which you are grateful? <laughs> yes. Don't let me forget. I need to tell you about like the coolest thing that's happened in the past year at our church, but okay. I will answer your question. It used to be the letter X, but then there's a, a young woman who came to our church named Nancy Zhang, and that's X-I-O-N-G. And she's been learning about Jesus. So that's easy. I just think about Nancy. And my daughter got into percussion. So she plays the xylophone. So between Nancy and like Amazing Grace on the xylophone, I got the X's covered. So I have to ask you something because I might be doing this wrong. So I am trying to come up with something different every day, not using the same letter. Was that not part of this? Am I making this harder? I think you are making this harder. Yeah, but I like that. That's a good challenge. Flip it up. Well, what's funny is, so today, this is how silly I am. Serious Christian stuck on the letter J. Go halfway through my day before I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus starts with J. And I haven't used it the prior two days. So, you know, I can use it. So I think it's a really good exercise. I've been doing it after um, I read my Bible in the morning. I think just thinking of 26 reasons to be grateful every day. It, it does change the way you look at the day. Yeah. It just does. It, yeah. it just, it can't not. Yeah. So here's the story. When yeah. I originally preached that there was this guy named Mike, he's a amazing widow or widower, I should say from our congregation. And he had emailed me that night that I preached it. He said, 26 blessings, pastor Mike, I bet you I could come up with 2,600. And I emailed back right away. I said, I dare you. And he emailed back and he said, uh, well, by when? And I said, by Easter, which was like four or five months away. And he agreed. So no joke, uh, our brother in Christ, Mike, he would spend his days with a little voice recorder, just looking for blessings, like infrastructure, telephone poles, the man who cleaned this gas station bathroom. And he sent me, it took him it took, oh, how many days did it take him? Even less than the allotted time. He comes into my office and he hands me a binder that I keep here. I'm going to keep it for the rest of my life. And it is not just a list of 2,600 separate things. He has a description for each one. He has names of pastors that have blessed him for decades in the past. His wife's, uh, who's in heaven now, her favorite foods, Bible passages, like Christian songs and the radio, classic hymns. It was the most it was the most beautiful example of gratitude I have seen in my entire life. And, 
and not to give away what will be the conclusion of the next big book that I write. But when, when Mike mm. steps into my office and he hands me the binder of 2,600 blessings, I am writing a book about the parable of the sower. And Jesus says, and he planted a seed and on good soil, and it brought back 30, 60, or 100 times what was sown. And I planted a seed one Sunday and said, give me 26 blessings. And this man who is great soil, he literally hands me the day I'm writing this book, 100 times what I had sown into his heart. That's awesome. One of the things you mentioned in this sermon, I think it's true. Some of the most grateful people are the people who don't have an easy life. You use Fanny Crosby as an uh, illustration in this, which it, it was very, it was a very good illustration. For me, the key to getting out of the grumble cycle is always to go help someone else. So if I'm really having a day that I just think everything's wrong, I try to find somebody who needs something done because that almost always changes my perspective. Hmm. What have you found as your go-to for getting out of the grumble cycle? I found that even though I've been mispronouncing your name, which is embarrassing for me, <laughs> and even though in jest, I said you were dumb earlier today, I think I can't top your answer. Oh yeah. There's just, yeah. I'd love to actually hear you more. You speak more about that because I've just found when I'm stuck in my own head, trying to be grateful, stop. Don't think about this. Don't grumble. Like it, it just doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But when I get out of myself and try to serve someone like in marriage, right. When I'm, there's some tension. If I turn inward, I'm done for. I start keeping score and thinking about who's doing what and who's, who's trying harder mm -hmm. in this relationship. But once I turn outward and just, you know, prioritize Kim's wants and needs, like it just, it works. So yeah. Why did you choose that answer? So I'll give you a uh, works hundred percent of the time. And there's so few guarantees in life. This is one that you can count on. Mm. Go to, go to the nursing home. Every time, every time go to the nursing home. Mm. I just recently was able to start working with elderly people again. And I forgot how much I missed it. And you can find people in the nursing home who have lost everything. They've lost their independence. They don't get to pick what they eat. They don't get to pick what they wear. A lot of them can't move by themselves. Um, they no longer have a house. A lot of them have lost, uh, lost their spouse and they will smile at you for doing the simplest things like just saying hi and coming to see them and talking to them. And some of them, and I, every nursing home I've ever been in, it, it's the same story. There's always one person who is the light of the room hmm. who, you know, has no reason to be making everybody else happen. There's are happy. There's no good reason. I mean, can't walk has pain. You know, if you were to look at their life, they're usually missing teeth and, you know, hair here and hair here, but they're the person who is continually going up to everybody. Bob, how are you today? And Bob's like, ah, you know, mm. but um, I can't ever leave a nursing home without being grateful for people like mm. the people who just find reason to be grateful, just to be alive, mm. just because they're alive. Mm. Wow. That's amazing. It makes sense, right? Mm. It, it just makes sense. God is the happiest being in the universe because he thinks outwardly and he gives. And when we imitate that and think outwardly and love each other and love him, like it just, it, it works for our hearts. So that's a beautiful example of that. I think so often when we're younger and we have the ability to move, work, 
have a house, we get caught up in all the little things that we were talking about, all these little things that don't matter at all, you know, but those are the things that take priority in our life. We get caught up with them. And when God strips all that away, when God strips everything away and we're Mm -hmm. just left to, you know, all we have is our, our being, you know, maybe not even health. Um, we can just rejoice in the Lord because we're alive and we're just going to hang out with our friends, whoever he puts in our life that day. And you find reasons to be grateful, even in the most crazy of circumstances. Yeah. Wow. Amber, here's why I know you're a brilliant Bible teacher. Because not only was that like a powerful conclusion to our podcast, but you managed to work in the phrase little things, I think three separate times. (laughs) That might be something I say often. That that just might be something that comes to mind because I use that phrase so often. I don't know. Could be. I love it. So if you want to learn more about little things or Amber's work, head to (laughs) timeofgrace.org. Oh yeah, Amber, thank you so much. This is, uh, I, I really enjoy talking over, I'm a verbal processor. So sometimes, honestly, the depth of these messages doesn't, doesn't hit me until um, you just ask some really insightful questions and dig deep. So um, I just appreciate your amazing ability to think on the fly and challenge and push and encourage. So thanks for being here today. Happy to be here. Awesome. Before we say goodbye to you, any closing words, any thoughts, anything we can pray for? You know, I think that we all need to pray for our our hearts to just really get out of the grumble cycle, because I think we're more like the Israelites than not. And this was just a really good wake up call for me. Um, you know, I, I just, I think we all, all slide very easily. And, you know, you, you were saying about uh, Paul's, the apostle Paul, him not even taking a breath, you know, we're writing going on and on and on. And when you were saying that, I thought, when is the last time you've heard someone other than Mike who wrote the 2600 you know, things that he was grateful for. When is the last time you've heard someone do that? Hmm. Just be like, God is so good. I cannot tell you all the things he's done for me. When do we usually do that? Hmm. When we're complaining, right? Hmm. Like, like I was to my husband the night before I got the sermon series, like this is wrong and this is wrong. And why can't this ever work out? And blah, 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 man, it would be really neat to be praying that we became people who were like the apostle Paul, who would just Go on and on and on and on with our praise until someone was like, take a breath or run out of ink. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is, that is, I'm going to think about that comment a lot. Yeah. When we get on that verbal train where someone has to snap us out of it, it's much easier on this track than the other. So yeah. Hey, thanks for pointing that out. And thanks uh, to all of you for listening. Uh, also, I know we say this a lot, but man, th- there's probably someone that you know who would be really blessed by something that Amber or I just said. So man, just by sharing, by commenting, by liking, you can help more people find this message. And once again, we could care. Oh, what is the, what is the phrase? You could, we, we couldn't care less. We could, I get this wrong. Let's edit this out. This is the worst conclusion to a podcast we've ever had. <laughs> this is why no, I'm absolutely positive. It's going to be in there. There is some sort of concern involved. I was trying to say, would you share this with your friends? <laughs> Keep wrapping up, Navani. All right, we're landing this plane. Thanks, Amber, for being here today. Thank you all for listening. Hope you have an amazing day and God bless.